Hello, this is Dale at Persevere to Excel podcast. I am super excited for uh, this interview today. I have Basra Mohammed. Basra, how you doing? Hi, Dale. I'm doing well. I'm oh, a little chilly. Yeah, it's like what, like nine degrees outside. Feels like it. It's wild. That's yeah. the new. That's the New Hampshire weather. That is completely the New Hampshire weather. Well, yeah. I am super, super excited to have you today in our interview. And um, I would love to kind of get your feedback. Like, what's your favorite thing around this time of the year? You know, the holidays and it's cold and whatever. But I'm curious to know from your standpoint, what's your favorite thing? So, the, I'm still getting used to winter after like what seven years of living in New England. Um, but I have to say, it's just that like feeling of like wanting, you know, having one, to, you know, wanting to drink like hot things and just being bundled up. I just love winter attire. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my favorite because I'm always you know, like perpetually cold. I'm a cold person. So I just like sweaters and just, I don't know. It's just a happy time. It's cold. It's miserable outside, but it just it makes me feel happy in a way when I'm inside. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So you say you, you like like the, like the winter outfits, right? Yes. That's what you're saying? Yes. Are you like love a scarf it. person or I, a jacket yeah. person? Or? I am obsessed with scarves. <laughs> I own too many scarves. In fact, I can rock them, I think, one every year, every uh, day of the year. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So do, do you, <laughs> are you a type of person that like loves a scarf so much that you kind of rock them during spring or summer when it's not cold out? Legit, I have been cold out in the summertime <laughs> by friends for having scarf, you know, a scarf around my shoulders. And they're like, you know, it's like 75 degrees outside. And I go, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> but you just can't help it, right? If you have a cool scarf, like yeah. why just keep it for winter? Right. And that, I just feel like the the styles of the scarves, the colors, you know, it's just it should be something that can be rocked, you know, all year round. A hundred percent. Well, if you um, are a scarf company out there, and you know, you reach out to Basra and get some, uh, you know, maybe she can rep some of your scarves. Well, I'm super pumped that you're here today. Uh, we you. actually met a couple of years ago yeah. when I was doing some work in Concord with um, an organization called uh, New African, uh, New African Americans. American. It's a nonprofit um, that focuses on helping. Um, African immigrants kind of assimilate and get the support that they need to be successful. Um, And I remember when I got there, uh, they were telling me different people to meet with, and the organization was telling me different people to meet, and someone was like, you know, you got to meet, you you got to meet Basra, she's she's awesome. And I was like, heck yeah, let me meet her. And then we ended up meeting, and uh, you were involved with uh, the different stuff that was happening with um, that program. But I'm curious to know from your standpoint, like what made you um, get involved with, um, with that organization? So, I knew a couple of people, a couple of friends who were, by the way, one thing I enjoy about uh, being on the board for New American Africans is the name. No one can ever seems to be able to get it right. Right. I was yeah. like fumbling here. I was like the New American African League of North right? America. Of like, North America. We have gotten like so many different names. New African Americans is New African Americans is the one I hear the most. Right. Even our own board members would make that mistake. Right. Um, but I knew a couple of friends of mine. You know, were on the board, and I was. You know, I practiced immigration law. I'm an immigrant myself, and in a place like, you know, I, I lived in Concord for almost four years, and I, you know, w- lived in a place that was not really, like, close to where, you know, immigrant populations are, but I could see, you know, shopping, you know, in, you know, different parts of a town and coming into contact indirectly uh, with the immigrant, you know, refugee population. I could see, you know, there's some much-needed representation, advocacy, and I thought that, you know, that would be a great 
thing to do, you know, to give back to a community that I come from. It might not be in New Hampshire, but I do come from an African, you know, immigrant community. And I feel like in New Hampshire, the African immigrant community needed, you know, like proper leadership. It needed, you know, proper organization, someone to advocate for them. Um, so I just thought, hey, this, is, this would be a great, you know, organization to work for. And I really, you know, enjoyed not work for volunteer with. So I served on their board and now we are actually part of ORIS, Organization for Immigrant and Refugee Success. So it's been a wonderful, you know, organization in Concord. That's awesome. That's really cool. And one of the thing to me that, you know, I came in as an interim director for a really short yeah. period of time. But one of the thing that definitely excited me was the fact that, yeah, they had um, people that were actually from Africa that were part of the board. And uh, another side of it was also like, it was young people, right? So I was like, man, this, this is super cool Like to, to see this this dynamic. So that's where we originally met. Yeah, and then right. over the years, we've, we've, we've been involved in different things, different committee uh, presentation, and uh, most recently the presentation that happened at a gallery regarding immigrants and refugee issues. Yeah. But before we get to those other stuff, I would love to just learn a little bit about who you are and how, how did you, you know... How'd you end up here and how'd you end up in New Hampshire? So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I would describe my life in New Hampshire and how I ended up in New Hampshire as a totally random occurrence. And one of my favorite sayings, one of my favorite quotes um, is, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I like that. I love that quote. And I, it always, it humbles me because we're always out here, you know, just saying, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this in five years. I'm going to, you know, you know, end up like, you know, in this position and in this place. And you really never know because this life happens. Right. And that is essentially what happened for me. New I ended up in New Hampshire, I want to say totally by accident. You know, I come from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. You know, my family immigrated um, from, you know, East Africa. I was born in Somalia. And I, by the, when my family immigrated to America, I was nine years old. And we randomly ended up in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So I guess I have a thing for like random towns. And I always just wanted to, you know, be, live in the New England area. Right. You know, it's just like. Before, yeah. before you move on, can you just tell me a little bit about Tennessee? I actually, I've never been to Tennessee. You have to go. <laughs> and like everyone I meet, they're like, dude, Tennessee is the spot, yeah. you know, like the Memphis area. And yeah. So I, you would love tell that me Memphis. a little bit about that. As a yeah. nine-year-old, like moving into Tennessee, how was yeah. that like? Um. Completely strange, <laughs> completely strange. And but I think so. Nashville is actually an up and coming uh, town right now. It's okay. like I visit once or twice a year, and even I feel like an outsider whenever I go. Oh wow! So, yeah, my dad actually gives me a tour every time I go because it's that different. Every year it's developing, and there are more, you know, more and more businesses. More, you know, it's just so crowded right now. But it wasn't like that when I, you know, late nineties when my family immigrated, and uh, I. It was totally different, but I think, you know, it was from what I, you know, from where I came from in East Africa, it was like night, like the climate, of course, being, you know, um, I remember when we came, it was around winter and it was cold and, you know, seeing like, you know, dust of like snow and not being used to that, you know, of, of course, you know, those like differences. But what I like, you know, I grew up in a um, large immigrant like uh, community and, right. you know, we have so many, you know, Nashville is very diverse. Um, 
by the way, you will love Memphis. <laughs> I, I gotta go. Not too, I, yeah, I gotta go. And you visit. will love Memphis. We have just you know, I love Tennessee. Like it's so beautiful. You know, we're humongous, but I mean, we're Nashville is situated. Like we're not. You're not too far away from Alabama. Not that you'll have any reason to go there, um, or Maybe. Kentucky. You, never you, know. Know. you just never know with life. Right, remember? Right. <laughs> you know, but like the way where we're situated, we're only you know four hours away from Atlanta. So there's always a lot of things to do if you want to you know be in the area. You know, Memphis is of course known for uh, blues and you know barbecue and Nashville. You know, we have hot fried, you know, fried chicken, um, best fried chicken, uh, hands down, <laughs> and country music. And you know what, fun, fun fact, by the way, people just think that, you know, um, a lot of the recording, you know, industries in Nashville are all country music, but a lot of other, you know, non-country genres of you know, music actually come and record there. Oh, wow. As well, yeah. So people don't know that, but it's becoming very artsy and, you know, you would really love it there. It's very like hip, you know, fresh, love Nashville. Um, but it was, and I think where I lucked out and where, you know, I feel, you know, the difference is about, you know, if my family immigrated to New Hampshire, it would have been very different for me in that I grew up with Africans of all different um, ethnicities. It was, you know, there's a large Ethiopian population, Sudanese population, Somali population, you know, uh, Kurdish population, you know, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, a lot of like North Africans there, uh, Egyptians there. So I just grew up in little immigrant, you know, communities and I never felt that, you know, I was an outsider. You know, Nashville is a very interesting, it's, it's very melting pot and Nashville has a lot of transplants. Um, a lot of the people that, you know, live in Nashville are usually from somewhere else. They're like moving in from a different, you know state or country, et cetera. So that really helped me. I grew up in a very like diverse background and I didn't really, I really didn't realize, even I went to, uh, for college, I went to uh, Middle Tennessee State, shout out, um, in, oop, oop. Oop, right? <laughs> in, uh, you know, a little, you know, rural, what used to be a rural town and now it's not, it's, you know, Murfreesboro, uh, Tennessee is also like popping now because it's about 30 minutes away from Nashville. Right. And even then I, Honestly, didn't, you know, I never thought of myself as being, you know, even in hindsight, looking back right now and realizing that it was always, you know, in some of my classes, I was, you know, the only black kid, um, you know, the only black student or Muslim, you know, uh, student, you know, was covered up. And so it never really hit me that I was in, you know, in some of the pockets whenever I stepped out of the immigrant, pop, you know, immigrant communities, I never felt that I was an outsider. Okay. And okay. I think that has something to do with like the Southern hospitality of people just making you feel comfortable. I just, I just never felt, you know, I had So you always felt welcome. I always felt welcomed. And that's like the one thing, um, if you stop any immigrant in Nashville, that's, I believe one thing that they would tell you is just, you, you just don't feel like an outsider. And I, you know, I remember growing, you know, the towns that, you know, I, the town that I, the neighborhoods that I grow, grew up in, you'll see an entire, like it's, a huge boulevard or road and full of immigrant businesses. Wow. You know, like African businesses, Middle Eastern businesses, you know, uh, Hispanic businesses. So, you know, it's just so much diversity that people up here actually don't realize how diversity the South is really in a place like Nashville. So I never really felt like an outsider, to be honest, because I was surrounded by, you know, diversity, even right. when I was not in diverse, you know, pockets. And, um, and sorry for yeah. cutting you off. I, I sure. do want to unpack that a little bit. What do you think like led to... 
um, people being able to actually create their own businesses. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that you're an expert mm-hmm. on around what happened, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of curious on that because that, that mobility is like, mm-hmm. it's always a big driver for people to stay, right? Because right, you know, a lot yeah. of immigrants, they come in, they stay in one place and then they move on to other places where right. opportunities are. And yeah. I can imagine having your own business is yeah. a thing that will make you like stick mm-hmm. around for a while. Right. I honestly think it's the economic opportunities and, you know, people having that sense of belonging and that, you know, they feel that they are Nashvilleians. They feel that they, you know, something that I honestly don't really see in New Hampshire, um, in the immigrant you know, communities necessarily in New Hampshire, but I think in, you know, we have better economic, um, uh, like a better economic structure. I think also politics has something to do with it. Um, you know, Nashville is a pretty blue city for, you know, a, you know, a city that's in a very, you know, red state. Right, right. Uh, Nashville and Memphis are. And so, you know, I honestly think it's, you know, the also the climate, I would say, is another thing that helps people. Because, weather. You know, t- the weather, yeah. Right. It tends to be, you know, a lot warmer. So people can compare that to, you know, where they come from. So I think it's a host of factors. It's, you know, bigger. So, you know, bigger than, you know, like Concord or Manchester. So, you know, better maybe lending, you know, um, you know l- lending opportunities from banks. Right. So, you know, I just, I, re- I remember... Um, and I'm just going to, you know, just as a little culture shock. I have never seen a white taxi driver until I came to New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Yeah, because all the taxi drivers I grew up with are, you know, like taking taxis in Tennessee were all immigrants. Oh. And I remember <laughs> one time, you know, I, I needed, I called, it was twice that I called. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the first time I'm seeing a white taxi driver. Because that was the norm for me growing right. up in growing Nashville. Up in Nashville right. Yeah, so I honestly think, you know, given all those factors, you know, made it easier and actually the cost of living at that time Nashville tends to be a little bit more expensive right now was very affordable mm-hmm. um, so we don't have any income tax like New Hampshire uh, in Tennessee we don't have income tax we only have sales tax and property taxes okay so that also you know incentivizes you know a lot of people to um, you know have you know, businesses and especially I think what <laughs> what was very interesting to me is like you would walk into stores where the owners don't necessarily speak English you know whether they're Hispanic or African they don't speak English but here they are running, you know, their own businesses, their own businesses right. which is very, you know, remarkable if you think about it. Um, so I think I drifted off from your question. <laughs> no, that that was great. I, I am curious to know a little yeah. bit, like, it's, so from from the evolution of your, you know, your your, your growing and mm-hmm. developing and moving forward, right? Yeah. So it's like your family moved there when you were nine years old, and then. Um, you know, you, you find a community, even though it's a new community, you find it to be a very welcoming community where you see yourself in it. Um, there's other people from different places that are there. You know, even the taxi, most taxi drivers that you <laughs> engage with were from different countries. Um, so I'm curious. And then you say, you know, you ended up going to college and, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. oh, that yeah. was locally, right? Yeah, I went to um, college locally in Tennessee and then uh, made my way up here because I always, you know, and that's, I think, where we left uh, the question you asked me earlier. Um, you know, I always wanted to be in the New England area, you know, just something different. Um, you know, politically, I, you know, aligned with, you know, how um, New England, you know, states are perceived in other parts, you know, of the country. Right. Um, so I really wanted a different experience, you know, outside of the South being there most of my life. And so I end up in, you know, indirectly in New Hampshire. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was looking in the, you know, around the Boston area, but I honestly, just so long as I was in the area, I didn't, you know, like I was, you know, Boston adjacent, <laughs> it was fine. Um, ended up and went to UNH Law. And I have to say, like, when I'm moving up here, it was a complete 
complete culture shock for me. Um, and <laughs> I have to point I have to point out, as my parents also pointed out at one point, is that you know coming from the south and you know it's the Bible Belt, we actually have towns that are dry towns, so which means no alcohol. Right. So it was you know it was a culture shock seeing you know like the state alcohol stores, like the liquor stores on the highway. And just being, you know, just confused that, oh, my God, there's a liquor store on the highway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's New Hampshire. <laughs> that's New Hampshire. And the college I went to is actually a state school at Middle Tennessee State University. And um, it was actually a dry campus. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was a dry campus. And if you know, southern, you know, schools, especially state schools, were big on, um, like, cookouts. Right, and, jamborines. You know, exactly, right. for football tailgating for football and everything. So it, that was just a culture shock for me, you know? And then, of course, other cultures, you know, other little things, you know, just I, I would never forget I had orientation. My I moved in, and I had orientation at the law school. And I'm walking back from orientation, and I see the mailman walking and, like, delivering mail. And I was just, like, just very chipper. And I go, hi, how are you? And he just looked at me like, like just like looked at me we, we don't do that here yeah we're saying do, hi to me right like, like he just looked at me like uh do i owe you money or something <laughs> you know why are you this chipper to see me okay and i remember going huh okay and then i slowly picked up on you know the the atmosphere here and you know it's, it's different it's a little different yeah, it's right a little different and i and i just remember I lived uh, near the law school in, uh, in Concord, uh, UNH Law School. So it was, you know, suburbia, very white. Very rarely you'll run into, you know, uh, like people of color. And I remember I used to go to the Walmart in Concord, down on Loudoun Street. Yep. And I remember on the other side of the bridge. The other side of the bridge, and that's when you see the different colors, mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, of people. And I, you know, I remember I used to stop, and it used to break my heart the wintertime when I would see um, whether they were Nepali or Bhutanese or Congolese and they're like dragging groceries in the in wearing their traditional clothing right barely like covered up for you know from the cold and walking to Walmart and I actually I used to be that creeper where please don't tell my dad this um, <laughs> I would stop and I'll offer rides right. something that he is legitimately terrified he, he's right. convinced this is how I'm gonna go I'm gonna, <laughs> someone is gonna snatch me <laughs> because I'm always stopping for strangers and I will stop and offer people rides and did they take the rides a few of them, yes. Yeah. A few of them, like especially if they're African and they see me, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, and I, I'm like, hi. And back uh, when, it, like, with when they see the hijab, you know, when I had my hijab and they'll see the hijab, and if it was like Somali immigrants, especially, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, this is this is one of us. Yeah, and yeah. you know, that connection take, yeah, was that there, connection right? It felt was, you know, yeah, it was very comfortable. You know, it's it's very interesting that you say that in terms of so when I was growing up in in Manchester. Um, I remember early on when we didn't have a vehicle and even though the store was fairly close to where we lived, I, um, I had to, sometimes, you know, we, we, at the time there was a, this food chain called Vista food. Um, you know, my mom, we, we would go buy food and we have to push the cart. And I, I and, and even now as an adult, like it's such a, it humbles me a lot when I think about that. Cause I'm like, man, like that's all we had. That's yeah. that, that was our starting point. So luckily like, we lived less than a mile away from the grocery store. Uh, but I remember at times, you know, people would look out and be like, hey, what's going on? So it's, it's just yeah. part, it's part of that evolution. You know, it's like when you, when you start yeah. off from scratch in a new space, mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have the, you know, the, the end meats to get, to get to where you need to be. So you have to, um, you got to use whatever resources you have. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of immigrants, you know, walking is 
kind of that transportation for yeah. them. Um, so you experienced a lot of that in Concord, um, yeah. as, as you ta- as you said. Um, I am curious to know a little bit more about um, what what led to like you wanting to go to gra- um, to law school. Like what yeah. you know, obviously you 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 excelled in your learning to be able to go to college, graduate mm-hmm. with your undergrad, and you wanting to continue on in law school like what influenced that what what was the thing for you so I have you know if you ask my mom it's the fact that I always argue over everything <laughs> uh, argumentative and in you know in Somali we you know, she used to say you talk so much you make me thirsty okay <laughs> now I have to you know like you just can you be quiet and so the when I was graduating from law school she goes I knew it because you, you always talk too much this is, this is right, how I right. knew <laughs> um but for me it was a social justice issues um I was always like politically active uh since high school I did you know I used to do debates and stuff in high school and that allowed me to you know do research and you know stay informed um, on social political issues, economic issues. And so coming out of you know, high school, I knew I wanted to do political science. Um, I did political science. Um, I studied political science in uh, college. You know, I lived in D.C. for a bit, you know, just try to see how the government system and you know, how everything you know, works together. And I knew naturally for me to be as effective as, you know, as I can be, I would need to you know, get a law degree and make sure that I do the best I can helping, you know, contribute to humanity. You know, I knew that if I, like, you know, I could go get my master's, you know, uh, bec- you know, get my PhD and teach, you know, or do something else. But, you know, having, you know, my mom is right. I love to talk. But I'm also very compassionate about, you know, hence why I work for a nonprofit and I do what I do in immigration. But I've, you know, I always, you know, wanted to be part of the change that I wanted the world to, you know, have. You know? Right. So, you know, I, I hate when people complain about things, you know, and I feel like so far in, you know, the past few years, ever since, you know, the current administration, a lot of what we do is we complain. We just complain. No one wants to get up and do something about it. Right. No so, one's trying to s- solution. Exactly. People are spending more of the time just complaining exactly. and whining about yeah. what they don't like. Exactly. And like with social media, it has really honestly made it so much easier for us to be lazy and just... I, I tweeted, there I go, I did something, you know, right. I tweeted against the president or I tweeted against Nancy Pelosi and there I, I've done my part. But, you know, often, you know, the change that we want to see needs to come from us. So right. I knew I, you know, I wanted to go to law school in order for me to be effective. So I, I went to law school and here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. So my, my follow-up question to that is yeah. um, now that you've, it sounds like you've taken the different pathways that you needed to take in order to get to where you are now, now that you've been, um, you know, you got your law degree and you're you're practicing law currently. Um, what what has that experience been like for you personally? When you look at like you know getting putting the hard work mm-hmm. to get to where you are now, and now now that you're here, what has that experience has been like for you personally in terms of like what you're discovering, what you're learning, and um, the forward movement that you're continuing to make? Humbling, like very very humbling, um, because. At the time, I know my family went through the immigration um, legal system, and like I was a kid, I was nine, so I a lot of that I was sheltered away from. So I just knew that they were, you know, I remember, you know, my mom working like three different jobs, you know, in order to afford grinding it out, grinding it out. My parents doing odd, you know, work just to make sure, and you know, like they could afford paying, you know, attorney fees and and 
make sure that we have, you know, work authorizations and, you know, socials, et cetera, so that way we could have a better life in America. 100%. And yeah. so for me, it's humbling and, you know, just to see, you know, especially the you know, type of, you know, clients that I work with, it's, it's very humbling to see, you know, knowing my family went through this and, um, you know, I'm very grateful. It makes me very grateful. And I feel, I often find myself, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or I've, I'm doing this for a long time, um, but it, I do a lot of reflection. You know, mm. I, I, I catch myself doing a lot of self-reflection and wow, you know, coming from, uh, you know, being a Somali immigrant, you know, <laughs> coming from like really, you know, destitute essentially, you know, being very poor and where I am right now and being in that position that now I can help you know, uh, turn uh, turn that around and pay it forward and making sure that I, you know, impact the lives of immigrants is very rewarding is the other word that I would say. It's, it's very rewarding. And, and, and you said something that I want to uh, kind of echo a little bit around that self-reflection. That self-reflection is so <laughs> important, you know, because because yeah. a lot of times when you when you're when you have that forward movement, like you focus on the forward movement so much that you forget about like you know where you came from and and you know and where you were before that and the mm-hmm. reflection. Yeah really helps you to stay grounded and for me personally like that reflection is everything it's everything to me it doesn't mean that like i'm i'm still using kind of what my Mm -hmm. past experience was in terms of where i am now but it's just it's keeping me grounded it's reminding me hey this is what the journey that you took this Mm -hmm. is what the journey that your family took in order to be here and i think for me personally um it gives me a different grind like i'm willing to I think I focus more on the meaningful things, right? Like where mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what's meaningful for me? And what, and in result of that, that drives my action, regardless if it's not, you know, like materialistic, um, right. you know, compensation that where I'm like, oh, if I get this or even notoriety, I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when you're, you know, a lot younger and you're trying to find your, your voice and, you know, we look for that recognition. And I think for me, I've gotten to a point where um, I can really care less about uh, uh, the recognition because right. I believe that the impact is more important because a lot of times, you know, that's that's where the rubber hits the road, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, so what did you do? How did you contribute to that? What, what you know, what are you involved with mm-hmm. regarding that particular thing? So um, thank you for, for sharing that because that, that reflection piece is like, it's so, so important. Yeah. And I always say, you know, I can't remember who said this might be Aristotle. Uh, it's another quote that I like, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but a wor- a life worth like questioning and, you know, like pondering over like, you know, your actions and, you know, what you're doing is not really, uh, you know, a life worth living, right? You, are, are we, are you just going to wake up every day, just do the same grind, you know, just get up, go to work, not think about your actions. So I know I butchered that saying. But that sounded <laughs> that awesome. Quote. That sounded. Yeah, thank you. But it's, it's something that I, you know, swear by. And honestly, I feel like it got me to where I am. So I'm like, okay, so what is the end goal? It's not just about the end goal, but am I, okay, I know what the end goal is, but you, so you have your goals, you have your goals set, but what am I, what is the meaning of what I'm doing right now? What is, you know, what have I achieved? Am I okay with what I achieved today? Am I okay with what I'm going to do tomorrow? And I feel like if, you know, so far I feel like in our economic system right now, people are all about, you know, especially if you're outside of the 1%. Right. You know, it's all about the grind and surviving and trying mm-hmm. to pay the bills and, you know, making, you know, putting food on your, you know, family's table. But so you know, I also don't want to sound a little too, you know, out of touch by saying, oh, you know, these people are not really living. But right. I honestly cannot um, say this enough that I wish more and more people did that because then they would realize how, you know, just 
our little like our little things are you know that are insignificant in the day that just get in the way of how we think you know that negativity or you know because sometimes someone can just cut you off in traffic and right. you don't think about the big picture you just get upset it ruins your entire day but I think the more reflection we do, the more we come to terms with humanity, the more we come to terms with, you know, certain situations in our lives and how or we want to change certain situations in our life and our society and our communities. And, you know, it will allow people to, in a way, become better citizens and better members of their, you know, in their communities. So highly, highly support that. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> well, we're coming towards the end of our interview here and so much to unpack. But... Um, <laughs> A lot of so my the focus for my for my podcast is around persevere to excel right you right. you gotta persevere you gotta kind of grind it out in order to get to the other side so um, for some of my listeners and and people that might be listening and watching this um, that are in that stage where they need to continue to press on and press through uh, what would you say to them I would say the first place to start is gratitude. And it's honestly something that, you know, it sounds very hippie-ish, um, but it's something that I've actually been working on in the past year that really helped me. Um, and like I said earlier, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of reflection lately. I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, getting older, maybe that has something to do with it. But the reason why I say gratitude is I think, you know, when you show gratitude, and gratitude can be in the most basic level of things. People think, you know, we only like we're happy and we show gratefulness when we get something big. You know, I got that right. job. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you. Result you know, oriented. Res exactly. Brilliantly put. It's like result oriented. You know, it's like, oh, I got my first house or I got my car. I got my job. But we never really think about the little things. OK, today I woke up. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. We often think about, for instance, you know, oh, I can't believe I have to go to work today. How about I'm grateful I have a job to go to that helps me pay my bills. So I think you know, gratitude is very important, and you know, for you know, people who who need that push and who just you know want to go out there and get their life, I would say honestly, start off with gratitude. Start basic. You know, I'm glad I have. You know, um, one of my favorite things to do is when I wake up in the morning, I like to say you know five things I'm grateful for. And it helps me get start my day. And this is why if you, you know, I work out of two offices um, in Manchester and in Nashua. And if you ask any of my colleagues, I'm always like chipper. They've mm. never seen me like down. Right, and right. I think it's also, you know, partly just who I am. But I honestly find that helps me so much. Um, and I think especially when you come from, you know, this is really, you know, for my fellow immigrant, you know, um, a community, you know, out there, especially if you're younger and, you know, you're trying to figure out this thing called life, right. uh, you know, life is not, has not been easy for us and will not be easy for us. Um, and you're just waking up and you, you catch yourself in this, you know, just mon the monotonous of life. I would say reflect a lot more, show gratitude, because by showing gratitude, it allows you to see, like, a lot of things that you have that someone out there does not have, someone else out there does not have. Someone might have millions that you don't have, but they might not have the health you have. For exactly. Instance, right. Right. So I think by making making a list of the things you're grateful for, checking it twice. <laughs> tea is the season. Uh, wow. <laughs> I went there. That's pretty good. Uh, right. That's pretty good. <laughs> Work that into it, <laughs> and and you know, show, it will allow them to get the clarity. They, you know, they need and, you know, have a, you know, a clear, you know, clarity in their vision. That's awesome. You know? Well, thank you so much for um, being in this interview with me and being able to share your perspective and 
like you said, you know, keep yourself grounded. So here's a theme that what I got out of uh, being reflectful, being creating the space to reflect and, and, and being grateful and having gratitude, accepting where you are, being being present, right? Yes, Taking every little thing yep. um, um, not for granted. So thank you so much, Basra, for being in this interview. And I appreciate you coming thank through. Thank you. Lovely.